Welcome to Faces of Fortitude Behind the Lens, a safe space for anyone who's been touched by suicide to share their story in whatever form feels safe for them. Since losing my brother Jimmy to suicide over a decade ago, I've realized that the more we can normalize and use care in having difficult, sad, and intense conversations, the more welcome people are going to feel with connecting with each other at their scariest moments. It is our hope that when you're faced with your own mortality, maybe at a moment when the pain doesn't feel survivable, you will remember that there was a space where you heard other people sharing similar stories of loss and trauma and resilience. And we hope that that space of survivors reminds you in that moment that you're not alone and you decide to stay and fight just one more day. Now, please help me in welcoming the brave guests to this podcast and treat their vulnerability, not just with care, but also with great celebration. Thanks again for being here. Let's get ready to go behind the lens. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Faces of Fortitude Behind the Lens. And I don't think there's a better first guest to have than my friend Isabel, who was a face of fortitude. We just figured it out April of 2019. And a lot's happened, I'm sure, for everybody since April of 2019. Um, But we're here to talk about Izzy. Um, She is a business owner. She owns Wellness Bay Radio. She is the podcast host for Wellness Latina. She is former staff sergeant in the Air Force. And I think the most important thing is she's a survivor um, of, I'm going to let her talk about it. Um, This podcast is about the faces of fortitude, having a safe space to share their stories in addition to what we share in the project. Um, And so this space is for Izzy to share safely her truth and what happened to her and how, how it's made her who she is today. So Izzy, welcome back. It's so good to see you. How are you? Good. (laughs) I, I'm, I, I remember when I emailed you about this, you jumped on it so fast and you were like, of course, of course I want to do this. And (laughs) you're one of the most fearless people I know. And Truthful, we we talk so much about like when we text back and forth, and you're always doing something exciting or just like kind of throwing it to the wind and just doing what, and it's very inspiring. So I don't know if I've ever told you that, but no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think I learned that about you in that little. Do you remember how hot that studio was when we were shooting in San Diego? That Mm -hmm. little makeshift studio from a friend that I was borrowing, and um. It was so hot, but I remember thinking when I was, as I was listening to your story for the first time, um, I was in shock. I was really in shock most of the time. Um, And here was this strong, beautiful human in front of me, not only talking with strength about this horrible thing that happened to her in the service that caused so much trauma, but also dealing with, at that time, your mom was alive and was dealing with cancer, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. And so you were, you were taking care of her. Um, and you had such a, you, you hardly shed a tear. You were so strong. You were that 
staff sergeant right in front of me. Like you, and, um, I was just very inspired. I was very inspired. So your mom would have been very proud. Thank you. (laughs) But today we're here to give the mic to you. Yes. (laughs) How do you feel? Are you ready? Are you nervous? I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm like trying to prepare on what I'm going to say, but I'm like, let me just let it flow. (laughs) That's, that's good. Well, I'll help you set the scene. Um, I I want our listeners to know that this format is going to be different in the way that I'm not going to be interviewing Izzy or any of the faces that are on this podcast. I'm going to help her set up her story by asking a few questions and then I'm going to watch and listen with the rest of you. And Izzy will share her story and then I'll pop in a few times if we need to shake our limbs and have a breather because sometimes trauma can be really hard to listen to um, in large chunks. And so I'll just be here to remind us to breathe and shake things out when we need to Um, have a dance, dance break if we need to. Um, First of all, where, where, where does your story begin? Your backstory, where are we in the world? We are in Riverside, California, about a mile or two miles away from March Air Reserve Base, which is where I was stationed at the time. And I live like, yeah, about maybe two miles away from base. <laughs> so that's wow. where that's where I was. <laughs> and what, what year was this? This was April 2017, like three days after Coachella. <laughs> like I was I was at Coachella three days before. And like Maybe, maybe I should wait. <laughs> maybe yeah, I should okay, wait. no, that's good. That's perfect. Um, <laughs> so that was two years before you saw me. Two years before, yeah. So I didn't know you were that fresh. That was only two years. Wow. Yeah. Wait, is two years fresh? <laughs> yeah, anything under five to me is fresh when you've got a trauma like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so who are the characters we need to know in your story? Who are the people involved? So I was sexually assaulted December of 2016. So four months before I attempted suicide. And there was a friend in the room the night that I was raped. I don't want to say his name though. <laughs> I've <Right>. always- no. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Um, I, I think the, the, the story that I now think that the listeners need to hear is what happened that night that you told in your faces of fortitude session to revisit that. And Mm -hmm. then um, the part that you haven't shared yet until now, we'll, we'll do it after the event itself. Um, We will share after your backstory. I knew I was going to do the Quentin Tarantino thing where I'm talking about something the audience hasn't even seen yet. (laughs) So we'll go back. Um, Yeah. So I can share a little bit about what happened that night that led to the attempt, that led to me needing a detective. So I was hanging out with friends, two of my friends from the Air Force. And actually, my mom is actually a character in this story as well, because the reason why I met up with those two friends is because I had been really like depressed and having a hard time with her having cancer. So after like maybe a year of coping with my mom, I was like, I'm finally ready to go hang out with friends again. And it was that night <laughs> I hung out with two friends and um, one of them ended up sexually assaulting me while the other friend was asleep. Well, I was asleep too, actually. We were both asleep, knocked out, passed out after too much alcohol. And the the guy who raped me um, was a friend, actually someone that I considered a brother. And in the morning, I told my other friend that was there and we walked to the police station from the, we were in a hotel room, we walked to the police station. And then, you know, that's, that's how I ended up having a detective. <laughs> But, um, yeah, 
I could I could say more. <laughs> I kind of went to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think um, when something. First of all, I want to sit with the fact that that is a horrible, horrible event to happen, and I remember the details of that in your session. Um, and I think if you want to go into a little bit more of it, especially what happened because you going to the police station about something like this, it's, it's a, it's double for you because you're in the service. Okay. Yes, yes, exactly. So I was, because I was in the military and the friend that I was with was in the military. He also knew like the procedures on what to do while you're in the military. And he's the one that suggested, Hey, you have to call Sark. Sark is uh, the sexual assault response coordinator. I believe that's what it stood for. And so um, he kind of walked me through and I was like, well, should I call our chief or should I call Sark? And he actually helped me like decide on what to do because I was so out of it. So he, if he wasn't there, I don't, I don't think I would have even reported with the military. And I'm so glad I did because that eventually led to him getting discharged, but it was a very like important moment. And <laughs> like that's the story. So I had, so at the police station, while we're waiting for the, the, the cops to come out and everything, I was on the phone with our chief, <laughs> like telling her like, hi, we're at the police station. And she's like, what? Like, she's, she's just like, hold on, wait, what? <laughs> and I'm like, so-and-so raped me. And I'm here at the police station with, um, you know, the guy that, my friend that was there. And she's like, oh my God. So within an hour, she was there. And then they started their own investigation. So I had my chief from the Air Force there, the detective questioning me. And then I had the military sexual assault response, um, the SARC. And then I had the civilian one because the police is required to call their own. So I had two SARCs, <laughs> one civilian, one military, my chief, the detective, my friend that was there. And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> What's going on? I was so out of it. I was still drunk, by the way. The whole entire time I was at the police station, I think it was like 12 hours. I was still drunk till the next day. Yeah, it was bad. So yeah, <laughs> it was terrible. Hungover, didn't eat. Oh, terrible. But Did you get a lot of pushback from the military? No, no, actually, they um, they didn't. It was weird. I didn't get pushback. What do you mean? What do you mean by pushback? I just mean were they helpful in oh. trying to to support you and defend you and get justice served? <clears throat> yeah, like my chief and my supervisor were, but it was. Um, the case ended up going to like the criminal investigation side of the, the military. So it was them that I felt like I couldn't, like they didn't care. You know, my story didn't like, it was, it was basically just on their desk. You know what I mean? And it wasn't until I attempted suicide that they rushed the process. So, and I, and I knew that I knew that I was like, I need to do something extreme. So like, I feel like, well, there was a, well, it had to do with the email the detective sent me, but I knew that if I did something extreme, that they would actually do something about it. So, um, and I was right. That's horrible, was right. Mm -hmm. that's horrible so. that you have to do something more extreme than being sexually assaulted um, while you're asleep, that you have to do something more extreme just to be heard. Oh yeah. And then I didn't even, I didn't even remember all the details. So the civilian police didn't believe me for a long time. They didn't believe me until they received the DNA kit, which by the way, was stuck in a lab for like a year before they even processed the DNA kit, which the, the detectives wouldn't believe me. But the only reason why the detectives kept the case open was because I was in the military. That's the only reason why they were like, oh, well, she's in the Air Force and she has a case open. So we're going to we have to keep this open. And so that was so stressful. And then my mom being sick, I was like literally on the on the verge of 
suicide from I would say for I would say like maybe even weeks after like right away I felt like I just want to kill myself this is too much but I kept myself alive until that moment where I was like I give up and it was only four months in I feel like it was so fresh still like I didn't wait a long like a long time before I gave up because I in, in my head too I thought this is the military this sh this should go rather quickly and four months to me back then was too long <laughs> so that's a really long time four months is a long time when you've that instant what half an hour and it changed your life forever mm -hmm. yep. so what happened tell us about this email let's start okay. the scene okay yeah so it's april about four months in like i said and um i had a feeling it was bad news so i opened it two days after coachella and i was pacing in my room i, I read i remember i was standing in my bathroom of my apartment i lived alone at the time and i i opened the email and it's just like two sentences but i i crumbled the detective said we lost the DNA kit. We don't know where it is. And we think it was sent out to a lab outside of the police station. We don't know. We don't know where the, the DNA kit is. Basically, they said they lost the evidence. And I crumbled. I was like, oh, my God. That's all the email said. That's all. The, it's all it said. And it said that he would let me know if they found it. So basically, there was nothing they could do without the DNA kit. And so... I, I immediately I thought, oh, my God, like he's going to get away with rape. I would rather die than have him get away with rape. So I was like, I can't I can't do this. And then on the Air Force side, I was like, well, they don't care anyway. It's already been four months. They're not going to do anything on the Air Force side. The cops on the civilian side lost the DNA. Like, what do I do? Like, I'm done. I can't take it anymore. I, like I was humiliated. I, my, I had an open investigation, by the way, by choice, because I had the choice to keep it um, private. <clears throat> what they call um i forget the name secret i think but i had an open case because at the time and i'm actually really glad that i was so open about it i didn't want to protect a rapist so i was like there's a rapist in in on like you know what i mean like on the loose <laughs> so you know what i mean and i and i was not shy about it i was open about it and i wanted people to know hey this happens on this base it didn't happen on base but i'm saying it happens to people that you work with like somebody sitting next to you was sexually assaulted and I doubt that I'm the only one and so I really opened up like a lot of um like a lot of girls a lot of girls came to me afterward like hey this happened to me too and it was right when me too was like starting to blow up <laughs> so a lot of girls came forward that never ended up reporting but I know that I opened up like a lot of um like healing for other people but um I forgot what my point was Oh, oh yeah, the email. Oh yeah, we're, <laughs> we're back to the bathroom. I'm back in the bathroom. And okay, yes, so my thoughts were, you know, I'm gonna kill myself because he's gonna get away with rape. And so I got on my phone and I Googled ways to commit suicide. And so it was, I remember just looking through so many different articles, I was overwhelmed. I'm like, there's just too many. So then I was, since I was in my bathroom and I looked at my tub and I was like, oh, I know how to drown yourself. And then this is really weird, but I remember that Whitney Houston died in a, in a, in a bathtub. So I was like, I want to die like Whitney Houston. I remember having that thought. And so I was like, how to drown. And then the first thing that came up on my phone was like, 
Um, no, I think I had Googled how long does it take to drown? Because I remember the first thing that I saw was like, it said three to four minutes. So I was like, easy. I have three to four minutes. And that's when I set the timer on my phone and got into the bathtub. And I remember filling up the water. And while the tub was flowing, I was like pacing in my room. Like, I need to call somebody. I need to call somebody. I can't do this. And then I was like pacing in my bathroom, pacing in my room, looking at my phone, scrolling through my contacts. Like there has to be someone that I trust, someone that I could call. And in that moment, I felt like I had nobody. I'm like, nobody, nobody cares. Like that's the mindset that I was in. I'm like, nobody cares and nobody's gonna care if I tell them this right now or they're not gonna believe me or they're gonna say I'm exaggerating. So I didn't make a phone call. And I was like, no, I'm gonna do it. Like nobody cares about me. I'm gonna go ahead and do it. And so the tub was full, I got in. And I remember my last thought thinking, I'm so sorry, mom. Like, that's the last thought I had because I was like, what is she going to do? And I'm, and then that moment, too, I was like, I don't even care about her right now. Like, I didn't care about anything. I was like, I, I the only thing I cared about was that the DNA was lost and that now I wasn't going to get justice. So I felt like in that moment, I would rather be dead. So I went under the the tub <laughs> and set the timer i set the timer to four minutes and i was like if the timer goes off obviously you didn't do it right <laughs> so try again so i did it eight times eight times and each time i would like hold my breath longer and longer until i believe the well i guess the eighth time because i remember saying i went to the hospital it was eight times i ca somehow counted but i remember feeling like because have you ever been at the bottom of a swimming pool and you're like holding your breath and you're like oh gotta come up for air that's what it felt like and only only i'm in a bathtub and it's a small bathtub and i'm like mm -hmm, making those underwater sounds you know and um and then eventually like, i stopped making those sounds and i was like wait this is getting easy and then i started to feel really calm and i was like i think it's working and then i remember trying to like see if i could see the timer but i was like two underwater and i was like i'm not gonna go up to see how many more minutes i have but i think it's getting close to the four minute mark because i feel really calm <laughs> and so and so i um yeah so i basically just like i closed my eyes and i'm like this feels so nice i felt so relaxed i felt peaceful my body was getting so light and i'm like in my head i was like bitch i'm drowning like that's what i felt and then and I was like, I'm just going to close my eyes. Like, this is it. This is it. It's happening. Really calm, really peaceful. And I felt like I could feel this forever. Like, I wish I could just feel this. And so um, I, you know, in that process of just starting to feel really numb, I happened to open my eyes and I saw my left leg just jolting. And it freaked me out. My leg was just like doing this like jolt by itself. And I couldn't feel it, but I could see it. I got scared and I got up for air and I stopped. And I started crying. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and so I started crying in my tub, sobbing while the water was going down. And then I got out, got in a towel. And then I called my friend Jason and I said, no, I texted him. I didn't even call him. I sent him a text and I said, um, I just tried to kill myself. I tried to drown myself. And he called our chief like immediately <laughs> and actually no that wasn't even that night hold on there's a piece missing I was actually seeing someone there's a guy there was a guy that I was seeing before I was raped and we stayed in touch throughout the investigation I wasn't seeing him anymore but he, we were still very close and I text him that I had just tried to drown myself and he said I'm gonna call an ambulance and I said no 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 don't please I'm gonna go to the I'm gonna go to the hospital and he's like, you swear? I'm like, I'm going to the hospital. And I packed a bag and I was going to take myself to the hospital, but I did it. I was like, I'm going to go in the morning. And in the morning, I text my friend Jason and I said, hey, this is really important. Like, I 
try to kill myself, but I want you to know that I packed a bag and I'm going to check into a hospital. And that's when he called my chief. My chief came to my apartment and she took me to the hospital and I checked into a psych ward for like a week. But yeah. Wow. <laughs> How do you feel telling that story? Also, I love that you giggle when you're nervous over <laughs> stuff like this. I don't think the listeners know that about you, but um, we have that in common. So yeah, disclaimer. I don't think it's funny. I just get really scared and I start laughing. Yeah, it's it's I've seen it happen. It's it's normal. You're not abnormal. Don't worry. Um, that's a a very intense story. Mm-hmm. I want to sit in it for a minute because I feel like um, it's really we go really fast to go and look at how much better they are doing. You know what I mean? And I think that it's important to understand that was a deep place. You had a mom that was not. Yeah, I didn't say any of this in the interview, did I? The first time? No, no. No, some of it. I got very light. I got a light version of this story. Wow. Um, yeah, I want to take a minute to just breathe through that because I feel like that's a lot of stuff to hear all at once. Sexual assault. Um, you, I love I love that you had a little baby Whitney Houston moment just in there still. Like, yeah. Um, even though it was a sad moment, it was, you know. Were you listening to music? Do you remember? There was no music. No music. Mm-mm. That's hard. Mm-hmm. Just my thoughts. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I mean. That sometimes I listen to music, so I don't have those. Mm-hmm. So what do you do in that spot? What do you do when you get to the hospital? How are you now? How is your story changing once you get? First of all, your chief sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. The fact that she came immediately and took you to the hospital. Mm-hmm. I love that she did that for you. Yeah, her and my commander, actually, both of them. <laughs> wow. It was really intense, but I was grateful so, that I got that support. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially in the positions that they're in. So what happened once you got to the, to the hospital? Um, I remember being really ashamed, and I didn't want to say why I was there. And I was embarrassed. And I, I whispered. Like when I was checking in, you know, I gave them my ID and, you know, they ask you why you're there. And I, and I was like, I tried to kill myself. Like I whispered it. Mm. Like I was so quiet. <laughs> and they're, and they immediately there, she was like, oh, you know, red flag. And so they went and called, you know, psych, psych, psych ward people <laughs> immediately. But I whispered, I was so embarrassed. And even when they came, you know, they took me to a room to a private room and even then I was whispering I was they you know they were like can you tell me what happened and I was like I tried to kill myself like I didn't want anybody to know or in in that hospital or in the waiting room I was so embarrassed Mm. Mm -hmm. so so hard yeah and then because I was in the military I was more embarrassed I felt like I wasn't tough you know like I wasn't supposed to do that that's how I felt Meanwhile, look at what you survived, and that's not tough. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah. you're tough. Just yeah. trust me, you're tough. Um, I uh, I want to know how the the case changed after that. Mm, mm-hmm. So after that is when they expedited my case. The Sark guy from the military. This really irritated me. He went to see me in the hospital, which I allowed because they ask you if you want 
you know, when someone when someone's there to visit you, they ask, do you want to see this person? And I said, yes. And so he came to tell me that they expedited my case. And I remember being annoyed. Like, why are you telling me this when I'm in the psych ward? Wait till I get home, asshole. I was so pissed. I was like, can you let me just like take my meds and go to sleep? Like, tell me in seven days when I'm released from here. And I remember one, I was relieved that they were doing that, but I was pissed that they only expedited because I attempted suicide. And I was annoyed that he told me in the psych ward. So, um, after that, this was April, it's still, even though they expedited it, it still took a year, a year after for the case to close. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because from April to September, in September, I got interviewed from like the criminal office or whatever. Um, criminal, COIC, I don't remember the name, criminal office, I forget from the military and they interviewed the witness that was there so that was like six months after my suicide attempt so they still dragged their feet mm -hmm. and so uh the person that did this to you was ended up being discharged yep he got discharged six months after <laughs> i was interviewed so it was like six months after the suicide attempt i was interviewed by the investigation office and then six months after that he was discharged but only because again i was throwing a fit and um causing a scene almost every day mm -hmm. so they ended up discharging him because um i was losing my mind was he punished at all or was that considered punishment yep and that's why i felt like i never got the justice i deserved because all they did was just kick him out like there was nothing he could have been arrested they never arrested him like he could have been arrested on the military side and civilian side he didn't get arrested either end civilian side they just ended up closing the case because they said they didn't have enough evidence even though they had dna the district attorney didn't want to like push it to trial so that was a whole different thing and the air force was like oh well we're not going to trial but he's getting discharged so and it wasn't even dishonorable discharge that's what i was gonna ask next mm -hmm. oh that's shitty yeah that's gross mm-hmm so he's just out there. Yeah, it's disgusting. And it, it was, it's not dishonorable, so it's not like it's on his record or anything. He still gets, you know, VA benefits, everything. The only thing of is, is he, can't ever, he can't ever go back to the Air Force, but why would he, you know? If he gets benefits for the rest of his life. Exactly. That's really shitty. And the Air Force, we are taught, is the highest level of our military. Mm -hmm. And so you would think they would really take care of their people, but it looks like they're taking care of the wrong people. Mm -hmm. But exactly. once, I mean, uh, I'm, I say that like there's a shock somewhere, but there is not. Mm -hmm. Well, you clearly, and I know we've talked, we talked about this in your interview. You clearly have taken this as a form of fuel and created a trajectory for yourself. Um, I would love to hear a little bit about your timeline since and, and you can even share a little bit about um, how things changed after Faces of Fortitude and how you felt about sharing your story. But I want people to see your trajectory now since after Faces of Fortitude and then you lost your mom and then everything started kind of happening for you. Yes. <laughs> so after Faces of Fortitude, I started podcasting, <laughs> not about my suicide attempt, but just about my journey because when we did that photo shoot, I was not podcasting at all. So I think it helped kind of, it gave me a voice that I didn't know I had. I like, I was curious about podcasting before that, but I didn't 
I mean, I've been podcasting since. <laughs> so I think that really helped kind of set the tone with being vulnerable and sharing my story, not being afraid, sharing it on social media. That was new. I had shared before, but never like that deep. <laughs> and that was like, whoa, this is a lot. <laughs> and I remember feeling very proud. Like, you know what? I'm going to do this forever. <laughs> like, I'm going to keep sharing my story forever. And that's how I started my podcast, Healing with Izzy. I did that for 50 episodes, like over the course of a year and a half. And then um, in October of 2020, I had a moment where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to share my story anymore. Um, uh, I just felt like overwhelmed and I felt... Um, like I was too exposed and I felt like I need to take a break from this and I thought I was done with podcasting and then two months later I started the wellness Latina and I was like no you know what I'm not done and I'm going to keep podcasting and this time instead of because healing with Izzy was more um, I feel like it wasn't as structured as my new one and I had, I had just graduated um, with a degree in health and wellness or wait no I hadn't graduated yet I don't remember my timeline is weird no, I graduated a year after, but my point is I was in school. <laughs> I was in school getting a degree in health and wellness. And so I kind of tailored my podcast to wellness. And so I use um, my podcast to talk about how you can apply different areas of wellness into your life to cope with depression, anxiety in all areas of wellness. So that's what my new podcast is about. And I've been doing that one for about a year. <laughs> and, and then after the Wellness Latina, wellness bay radio was born because i ended up relaunching healing with izzy so i was like i need a place for both my podcasts and that's how wellness bay radio was born so it's like a network for both podcasts <laughs> that's a you're a slight overachiever that's fine yeah you're doing so much like and like me i was literally whining before this podcast about editing podcasts i was like it takes so long and you're like and create a radio station and an umbrella <laughs> company and yes. i love it so much i love it no but it's it's why you inspire me so i'm proud of you and so how how do you feel how does the new podcast feel what do you talk about now and and you said now that you've got this education under your belt Yes. So now actually after graduating with a degree in health and wellness, I started grad school. So I'm getting a master's in psychology. So now my episodes are more like psychology based where I give like the psychological perspective on um, like I just did a summer episode and I talked about how summer is oppressive to people with disabilities or people with um, say like high blood pressure who can't be in the sun. And so I kind of give light to things that people don't really think about. And I'm like, some people aren't enjoying their summer, just so you know. <laughs> so I always give like a, you know, a little nerdy perspective. <laughs> I love that though. Yeah. I love that. So how can people find your podcast and how can they find you online? Okay. Yeah. So if they have an Apple phone, they can search wellness Bay radio in Apple podcasts and both podcasts will pop up. If they don't, if they're Android users, they can just search uh, the Wellness Latina and Healing with Izzy separately because Spotify doesn't have a way to put them together. Um, I know I'm on, I'm on so many other ones, but those are the two that I'm streamed the most. I think I'm on Stitcher too, <laughs> but Apple and Spotify are like the most popular ones. Okay, awesome. And then, are you? Do you have a website? Are you on Instagram? Cool. Okay, no website yet, but <laughs> I they can find me on Instagram at Wellness Bay Radio and at my darling Izzy for the personal one. I'm so excited. Look at this. We've we've recorded for 30 minutes. You're at your time. You did it. 
Yay. And you were so you were so nervous. How do you I'm, feel? I'm sweating. I'm nervous still. <laughs> well, I want to end this with some joy. Um, you've you've done a lot of transformations in the last um, since I've you know we really connected in 2019 and we've connected on social media and in real life and we text. But I want to know like your best piece of joy that you've had in the last six months oh, that you want to share. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yes, I have something actually. <laughs> Yay. I went on a two-week solo road trip from Texas to Tennessee and then from Tennessee to Oklahoma and Oklahoma back to California. And it was the most peace I've had in years. It was amazing. <laughs> Look at you. Like, and we texted and you were like, I'm on my drive back. And I was like, what? Because I <laughs> yeah. knew you were visiting family. And I was like, you are driving that whole thing. I had no idea you were doing it alone. Yeah, I, I didn't even know I was going to go on this trip. I just felt like I needed to breathe. I felt like I needed freedom, and I got that from being on the road. <laughs> and so that then, is something that not everybody can prioritize things in their life and switch things around and be like, you know what? I'm just going to do this for me. See ya in a few days or a few weeks, whatever. Good for you. I bet that was really liberating and felt really like zen and peaceful. It was amazing. Oh, also, just one more little thing about that trip. I had a moment of fear and doubt driving through Arkansas and I was like, I'm going back to Texas. This is too much. And I'm driving through this small ass town and I see a, a sign that says Alma Road. My mom's name is Alma. So I'm like, what? I need to be on this trip. She is here telling me, bitch, you better keep going. <laughs> so, yeah. Don't you love that so much? Yeah. I love it when our loved ones come back in little little just little reminders just little things and you know everybody can kind of go well was that whatever it doesn't it's that is the that is a sign mm -hmm. bro don't tell me different exactly she was there with you mm. yeah that was really joyful <laughs> izzy thank you so much for being here and for having the courage to share your story the full story with us thank you for having me I'm excited to um, have everybody hear this and to have everybody co go your way um, and listen to your podcast and um, support Wellness Latina and your radio station. I'm just now I got to get on board with the radio station. <laughs> Thank you again. And um, um, I hope there's another road trip in your future. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening and holding space for the stories and heart spaces shared in this episode. I encourage you to visit the social media pages and websites of our guests, as well as support their projects and endeavors that have sprouted from their pain. If you would like to apply to be a face in this project or are struggling and need help, please visit our website at facesoffortitude.art for information on how to apply and visit the Educate page on my website for a thorough list of support options. And until next time, please remember, this world is such a difficult place to live in right now for so many people. We never know what someone is going through. I hope you'll find a way to be softer with each other and yourself, and harder on the systems that are trying to silence, hurt, and erase us. Take care out there and stay safe.